All right, welcome everyone to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, we have a special guest, Emily Sabo. Emily is a mechanical engineering PhD student who's studying the fracture mechanics of immature bone. While creating a computational finite element model in fulfillment of her master's thesis, she discovered a dearth of literature presenting experimental mechanical data. In her dissertation research, she plans to perform experimental tests to collect this data and then create a more sophisticated computational model. This research is at the intersection of biomechanical or biomedical and mechanical engineering while also having strong clinical implications. The clinical need was identified by a pediatric orthopedic surgeon who sees young children presenting with femur fractures, which may be due to accidental or non-accidental trauma. By characterizing immature bone and then conducting computational analyses, simulating trauma conditions leading to bone fracture, she hopes to develop an analysis tool for orthopedic surgeons to predict the likelihood of a child's fracture due to non-accidental trauma. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So that was that was a whole lot um, of complicated material that I uh, I guess I just covered in, in your introduction. Tell me, like, what what led you down this like very specific path of research? Yeah. So I've always been interested in medical research, but also that engineering component as well. So throughout my undergrad experience in biomedical engineering, I had some exposure to medical devices, which I really enjoyed. And then as I started into my graduate school opportunities, I was just speaking with different professors about what research opportunities were available at my university. And that was one of them. And I spoke with this specific advisor and she was telling me, you know, we have this opportunity to study child bone. And you may have to learn completely new methods and it'll really push your boundaries a lot. Is that something that you're interested in? And I like toyed back and forth with the idea and I just automatically, just my gut feeling was, yes, I want to go through with this. I want to be able to challenge myself, but also be or create something that's beneficial for others. And so that's kind of what I got basically stumbled on the opportunity for my master's thesis and then completed that work. And then about halfway through decided, oh, I really like this work and I think there's a lot that can be done with it. And so that's what kind of led me to continue this work with my PhD. Got it. Um, so tell me, uh, let, can we go into more of the specifics as far as what you're looking to, to kind of determine or, or study with the PhD? So the, the fracture mechanics of immature bone, can you tell me a little about what that means? Yeah, so our orthopedic surgeon that I'm working with, she has kids coming in with broken legs, arms, just various injuries, and she's seen a lot of femur fractures. So the femur is typically, in adults, like one of the hardest bones to break in your body. But in kids, it's, again, it's also, it's a little bit rare for kids to be breaking their bones at that young age as well. And so she was having a lot of kids come in with suspicious looking fractures from a clinical sense, and so came to us as an institution and said, okay, can you help me try to figure out what's the likelihood that a child has undergone an accidental trauma, maybe something like a car accident or falling off a swing versus a non-accidental trauma. Maybe their parent or guardian would push them off a swing or is intentionally hurting them. 
And so that's kind of the overarching goal is to determine that likelihood of accidental or non-accidental trauma. But some of those fracture mechanics are things like what's the force required to break a child's bone when they're you know, one, one week old, one month old, two years old, et cetera. And then we would also, that's kind of the baseline. And then looking a little bit more complex, we would look at, you know, if you fall down the stairs, what's the energy that's required to break your bone? And is it going to break in a specific spot every time? Is that based on age? Is that based on like just that child's background, how much they exercise? There's a lot of factors here at play. And there's a lot of unknowns. So some of those unknowns are things like, like that force required for fracture, like the energy required for fracture, but also some of those more engineering terms. So we think we hear about things like elastic modulus, material properties, density, and some of those things that we also have no really no clue what they're like. So typically what the literature will do is they'll actually scale down properties from adults. And research has actually found that we can't necessarily just scale the properties down. Like children are not just small adults, especially when we're talking about bone in a mechanical sense. So there's a lot of open questions. And so basically really any mechanical test could be done. Um, we can look at things like if a, bo a bone fractures in bending, if you break it in tension, compression, there's a lot of questions um, and a lot of opportunities to make that characterization and look further into the fracture mechanics. Okay. And is this, uh, is this like the implications of this research, like, is this going to get, uh, like put into like, like law enforcement and stuff like, like, uh, investigations of these sort of, uh, potential, like, I guess, child abuse. Yeah, maybe it's hard to say right now where it's exactly going to go just because there's a lot of, preliminary work that needs to be done before we can even create a model that says if a child falls this way, this is the likelihood of accidental trauma or non-accidental trauma. But I think my vision is that one day it could be used in a law enforcement sense. It could also just be used in a hospital, kind of like behind the scenes. So that way, you know, you're not accusing a parent of hurting their child, but then if a clinician does suspect it, maybe they can do some you know, behind the scenes analysis and say, okay, well maybe, and if, it's, if it is potentially non-accidental trauma, then they can take steps to rectify that. And if it's not, then you know, they don't even have to say anything to the parent. Um, you don't really never want to accuse a parent of hurting your child for sure. And so what are, what are some of the, uh, the metrics as far as being able to determine whether a, a certain break, a certain fracture is accidental versus non-accidental? Like what are, you, what are you looking at specifically? Yeah, so that's actually what we're trying to figure out right now. And so it's a, it's a tough question to ask um, because there's so many different ways or like different injuries that a child or even an adult can undergo. You could you know, break your bone in a car accident and everyone, if you had several people in your car, everyone had broken bones, they could all break differently. So we're not quite sure what the nature of that fracture is going to be, but that's one of the big open questions. So once we kind of figure out what are some of those material properties like the density and like this elastic modulus, then we can take the next step and say, okay, if I twist my leg like this at a three-year-old with, and kind of what, 
like what is it what does that fracture look like what is force required fracture what's the energy and then if we test it from different children is it for always breaking in the same spot at this point we're not really sure um, we do know from the clinical literature that thing long bones so bones like your humerus or your tibia or your femur will typically break around the mid shaft region which is right in the middle so that is one potential lead that we have that there definitely still needs to be investigated further to make that final determination got it okay and what about how big of a like genetic component is there in terms of like like say you know two kids of the same age is the same force likely going to result in a fracture for both those kids or is there like just in terms of uh genetics or or is there anything uh are you guys looking at like like mineral consumption at all as far as like calcium or magnesium i'm not too familiar with that but i've i've heard those being important just in terms of bone health yeah so there's a lot of things to consider and again that's one of the biggest challenges here is there are so many variables which one do we tackle first so right now we're looking we're trying to investigate like normal quote-unquote normal healthy children so maybe if that's just considered normal by their pediatrician or by another clinician that's kind of what our baseline is going to be but then I think once we have that baseline then we can say okay if I have a child that has osteogenesis imperfecta or brittle bone disease or rickets or maybe that child is some of these genetic um, just different genetic components if they're overweight if they're underweight if they grow up in a socioeconomic you know higher socioeconomic or lower socioeconomic status what does that look like and so again these are some open questions but i think moving forward that will definitely be something that's important um, especially looking at things like athletics how does that impact so if you have a child who's been playing soccer for their whole life does that change their bone structure and how does it change that bone structure but again like i said it's it's very difficult to obtain child bone just based on the ethics of it so there's some some work that needs to get done before we get to that point but that's definitely something that i foresee studying in the future awesome okay and like lead me through like what uh what 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 is like kind of a, a day in the lab consists of in terms of are you uh is it is it studying like models of like a bone fracture as far as uh like you said but you said there's real kids getting brought in correct like that you're examining these these actual fractures so not quite so children are going to this orthopedic surgeon for a bone fracture and they'll take x-rays which is fine for my work we can't really it's, it's difficult to use a 2d model what we really need is a 3d model so if the when the opportunity presents itself we can get a ct scan of a child's bone and that will form the basis of the computational model that i'm making so that's more of the computer side when okay. i'm actually in the lab space I'm actually preparing like the preliminary studies right now. So like I mentioned earlier, it's very difficult to obtain child bone just based on ethical considerations, restrictions by medical examiners, et cetera. So actually what I'm trying to do is currently trying to acquire pig bone 
to test that in the lab. So we'll actually be making like little specimens, pulling them in tension and trying to get some of those quantitative numbers behind it. And once we have those, obviously we'll have to make some assumptions, but say, can we apply these values that we got from pig bone? Can we apply that to child bone? And then put that into a computer model and hopefully be able to, again, get some more information out of there. Um, I'm also currently exploring some options to acquire human child bone from deceased children. But again, because of those ethical considerations, um, it is a bit of a challenge to acquire those. I am hopeful that one day we'll be able to test those. Hopefully soon we'll, we'll be able to have some child bone on our, on our hands. And then we can you know, conduct some of those studies with real child bone and then kind of compare those values and see, okay, can we, can we continue using pig bone or do we need to actually switch over to live human bone? Awesome. Are you're, you're pretty, uh, do you have high hopes as far as the pig bone being a pretty good reflection of human bone or are there a lot of differences? Yeah, so based on the literature, I mean, obviously nothing is going to be perfect. If you want human bone, the best is to test human bone. However, the literature has shown that pig bone is, is a pretty decent surrogate in orthopedics. Also, um, sheep bone isn't bad either. Dog bone has been used previously as well. A little, some of it's based on like really diving deep into like the microstructure and the, how bone is structured, that some of these other animals have a similarly structured bone. And that's why we can use them as a surrogate. But a lot of that information has come out of veterinary studies where just people over the years who have tested that equivalence between animal bone and human bone. So that's what kind of gives us some decent confidence because there is a lot of information available about pig bone in relation to human bone. Got it. Okay. Um, so as far as, uh, you know, what you're hoping to be able to do kind of after you, uh, you finish your PhD, do you see yourself uh, like staying with, uh, with research or, and, and along like these similar, uh, the similar line of research or? Yeah, so I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately, just planning life and whatnot. I think there's a lot of opportunities within this space of, of child bone fracture to really run with this. So not only is there a lot of research work to be done, but there's a, also a whole another like entrepreneurship component as well. So like once we have some of this data, it's like, okay, that's great, but now what do we do in order to get that into clinical practice? And that's kind of where that entrepreneurship side comes in. And I'm kind of interested in pursuing that line as well. So kind of spending my PhD, maybe some postdoc work as well, you know, collecting some of this data, and then afterwards, maybe working in a lab or, or having other students work in a lab and just kind of like manage the lab in a sense, and then kind of shift over to more of the entrepreneurial side and say, okay, how do I make this into a product that can be used so that way a clinician or an, an engineer can say, okay, I have a kid that came in to the ER with a broken leg. Can we take their x-ray or can we take their CT, run it through some program that we would create that would actually spit out 
the likelihood of accidental or non-accidental trauma. So maybe it'll say something like, there's a 20% chance that this kid has undergone non-accidental trauma. Or on the other hand, maybe there's a 90% chance this child has undergone non-accidental non trauma. And then that clinician wouldn't have to take steps with child protective services and whatnot. So I think, like I said, there's lots of opportunities in this space. I think for right now, I'll stick with the research, go through my PhD, likely do more research in my postdoc, and maybe pass it off to others and pursue the entrepreneurial side, or potentially just continuing with that research side. It just kind of depends you know, how the cookie crumbles and what opportunities present itself along the way. Sure. How, uh, how far away as far as like a timeline in terms of like when we're going to be able to have kind of the answers to some of these questions that you're, that you're currently studying? Is this a, a process that's going to get continued on by many future generations of, uh, of PhD students or, or like what, is there a timeline as far as when the project's supposed to be completed? Yeah, so again, that's hard to say because there's really no defined endpoint. Like there will never be a time where we can say, we know everything about child bone, there's nothing else we need to know, we know how it fractures, et cetera, because there's always different things that you could study or different genetics you could study in relation to bone structure and whatnot. I think maybe within the next like 10, 15, maybe 20 years, we'll have a decent idea of just the state of the literature, this basically just figuring out what's going on with child bone. But that, I think that also depends on how many people are studying it. So there's, there's been a few labs around the country who are st studying non-accidental trauma and bone fracture. I think there's many more opportunities to have more colleagues and just have a larger research community investigating this. And then if that is the case, if we have a lot of people working on it, we'll be able to make bigger strides in a, in a shorter time span. As we all know, like many hands make light work. So I think if just getting the message out there about these opportunities and about this kind of work and just getting people interested and getting that hands-on experience will definitely make a difference. But like I said, I think it'll be, it's definitely not gonna be in the next couple of years, but hopefully in about 10, 20 years, we'll have a, a decent idea of, of the whole structure. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, Emily, if uh, people want to find out more about uh, your work or, or the lab's uh, research, where would you direct them to go? Yeah, so anyone can reach out to me personally. So just you can just look me up on LinkedIn and whatnot. I'm also I'm so I'm a student at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. So you can also find out more information about our lab through the university as well. And like I said, you can always reach out to me with any potential questions or collaborations or just opportunities to learn more about child bone and non-accidental trauma and bone fracture mechanics. Awesome. Tell me, are, are there, uh, uh, as far as coming on like, you know, podcasts like these, is that kind of where you see yourself, like do you see yourself kind of being the, uh, a conduit for, for a lot of this research? You like, are there other people at your lab that are also like coming on podcasts or are you the main, uh, main one who's kind of sharing your lab's research? Yeah, so actually, funny, funnily enough, all of the information I've, I've talked about today is work that I'm working on. The, the project that I work on is done by solely me for right now. So all this is actually my work. 
and eventually we'll have more students working with me. There's just, we have to, I wanted to get to a certain point on my own and make sure I understand the project and whatnot, and then we'll be able to recruit maybe some undergraduates and kind of get some extra support. Um, that also comes with grant money and funding and some of those other, you know, more financial and administrative limitations. Um, I have always loved podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time, whether that be about technology or finance, true crime. I, I've just really been passionate about podcasts as a whole. So I'm not sure if there are other students or other representatives of Case Western Reserve University or even within my own biomechanics lab that are speaking on podcasts. I would love to use this as, a, as an opportunity to be that conduit and to talk to more people about it, just because I think podcasts are a really great outlet to do that. But like I said, I'm definitely open to what the future holds and maybe one day we'll have you know, a marketing team or even myself just continuing to, to share this message about child bone. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Emily, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your work. Uh, for those listeners who enjoyed the show, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel where Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro. Uh, you can also find audio versions of the podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else that audio podcasts are available. Uh, Emily, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.